What is love? That was like a loaded question, right? You guys are like, oh, man. could you ask us something a little more simple at 10.30 in the morning? What is love? Patience. Kindness. Are we going to go through that? <laughs> okay, I see how it is. I started it. Apparently I started it. Sacrifice, okay. What is love? Sounds like a song I heard, right? What is love, love, baby, don't hurt me. What love? Love is everything, okay. More than a feeling, right? More than a feeling. Oh, you didn't think I had that in me, did you? What? Relationship, okay? What else? Forgetting about yourself. Unconditional. Joy. Jesus. I'm just asking. It, it's kind of like big, right? Like there's a lot of different things that we kind of touched upon and hit and there's a huge range to trying to answer that question. What is love? I remember um, hanging out with Bob Klingen. I call Bob Klingen Chief. He was the Chief of Midland Park. That's how I know him. So I'll continue to say Chief and Bob Klingen. Really. So Chief and I are hanging out. This is before Mia was born. Mia is uh, my oldest of my girls and our firstborn. So we're hanging out driving and uh, Chief says, how are you feeling? In, in Chief's very ninja-like way. He always can get to the core of things. You guys know what I'm talking about. So how's this going? We're talking blah, 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 blah. How's, how's this going? How are you feeling? How are you feeling about everything? You know, I'm like, well, you know, I'm not really nervous. I'm not really scared. But I got to be honest with you. I feel, I feel kind of guilty. Guilty? Well, why do you feel guilty? I said, I, I don't know if I should be saying this, but I kind of feel like this kid is like going to cramp my style a little bit, you know? I was, hey, one of honesty, right? You guys want honesty? That's kind of how I was feeling. Like, I kind of like just, you know, carrying I and vacationing. You, the, the only thing you had to carry around with you was like a mini suitcase, you know? And it was, it was like, I feel like this is going to be different and interesting. And not only that, but I feel guilty that I feel that way. Should I, is this even normal to feel this way? So he says, when you hold her, that first time that you go to hold her, all of that is gonna be gone. Like, everything that you're afraid of, everything that like, makes you nervous about this whole thing, that whole thing is gone. Really? Just like that. It's going to be like, oh, I feel so much better that you're going to be having me up at 4 o'clock in the morning and that cruise that I want to take is no longer an option. But he was right. Like, as soon as, just like, that, as soon as I heard her, as soon as I saw her, as soon as I held her, like, it was the most incredible feeling I've ever experienced. I've never felt anything like that. 
And those feelings and, the, and that guilt and, and all that that I was feeling, that was all completely gone. I remember when we brought Mia home and, you know, just put her in her crib and, you know, I like, she's sleeping and she's kind of like, this is so cool and like, you're the most boring thing ever, but I love it, you know, like, you don't do anything. But it's amazing. And I had this really strange feeling, maybe parents can relate. She had only been alive for about five days. And I thought to myself, I feel like I've known you my whole life. Obviously, I've been here your whole life. But I feel like I've known you my entire life. It was incredible. I have never, I have never up until that point, felt love in that way ever. And so we get the news a while later, number two, surprise, number two's on its way, and I freak out for a different reason. I'm no longer thinking, oh man, number two's fine, but number, like number one's fine, but number two, like that's just gonna be too much and, and my life is just gonna be ruined. Same. Yeah, I'm just being honest. Dad, dad can probably relate. Like, dad would be like, yeah, I, I can So we heard number two was on the way, and, and, and this time I felt bad for Mia. I'm like, man, I feel bad for her. Because I have all of this love for her. I, I don't know how much I have left over for number two. Like, you know, my heart is only so big. I only have so much love. So, like, Obviously, when number two rolls around, we're going to have to set up a schedule, and every hour on the hour, my attention goes to the other one, because how else can I be fair? Because I can't possibly love Carrie, love Mia, and then have anything left over for this second child. Noel comes, nothing that I have to worry about, because my love grew. I love Ruth Carrie, I love Ruth and Mia. And all this love that I had no idea where it was going to come from for Noel was all there. Amazing how love works, right? And number three is on the way, a month and a half. Like now I'm just like, now I feel bad because it's like, oh yeah, number three, whatever, it's not good. <laughs> Throw them in the mix. We, we, got, we got a carriage and a stroller somewhere. Yeah, there's a bed somewhere. We'll, we'll figure it out. No big deal. Right. Now, honestly, like, I want my life to be ruined. Like, I'm, like, secretly trying to figure out how do I get myself fired from the plant so I can just stay home and be with the girls? But, like, not in a really bad way, like, my life is over sort of deal. Just kidding, I'm not going to get fired. Um, but love, we don't, so that's really cool and it's really awesome. We don't always interact with love in that way. Right? Every experience that revolves around love isn't always amazing, isn't always beautiful, right? Love is a risk. Love is putting your heart out there on the line. You have no idea how someone else, how another person is going to handle the love that you give to that individual, right? A lot of you have experienced this. A lot of you know that love hurts. Sometimes we've been crushed under that. It's left us devastated. 
right? Complicated. It can be messy. So we, 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 we know about the good, right? We know, you know, falling in love, and children, and grandchildren, and, um, you know, maybe it's work, you are in your sweet spot in life, and things could not be any better. We know the good about love, but there's also the bad about love. But there's also the weirdness about love, right? In the same sentence that I can say, I love my spouse, I love my kids, I love my grandkids, I love my job, I love the Yankees, I love tacos, I love burritos, I love sushi. Like, we're all over the place with love. Different loves. And you take music, for example. Every song ever written, basically, is about current love, love that has been lost. I hate love. Remember the wedding singer? Love stays. Everything's a song. Everything's a song for me. Everything is a song. Or we're not about love. We're about lust. Gotta keep it PG rated. Right? looking for love in all the wrong places and the wrong people the right people at the wrong time and the right time with the wrong person. We're all over the map when it comes to love. And so we're left with this question, what is it? Is it just like baby holding? Teenagers are like, I don't know what that's like. Obviously, I can't experience that. It's not like that, right? So what is love? I believe, obviously, as a society, we kind of got it screwed up. But just life in general, love is such a backwards, upside-down thing, especially in how we interact. Here's what I believe. I believe that before we can understand love, we need to know about God's love. Because God's love, learning that, understanding that, understanding God's love and knowing it is foundational. And for us, being able to love how God intended us to love. Before we can know love, we have to understand God's love. Why? Because it's foundational. It's understanding how we were created love. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. If you have, your, if you have a, one of these blue Bibles, it's on page 703. It's also going to be on the screen. I'll give you guys a second. Galatians 5, verse 22, page 703. It says this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit, leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. If you were here last week, you know that we're walking through the fruit of the Spirit for the summer, for the summer months, for the summer weeks. Um, 
this has to deal, this, this deals with our sanctification. As a CMA church, we believe four things. Jesus Christ is our Savior, He's our sanctifier, He's our healer, and He's our coming, coming King. And for these weeks, we're dealing with this one aspect of Jesus as our sanctifier. What does that mean? What does that look like? For those of us that have put our faith in Jesus, for those of you that are questioning that, should I do this? Should I not? Where do I stand with Jesus? After we've kind of dealt with that issue of surrendering our lives to Jesus, right? after we've said yes to God, yes, Lord, I am surrendering my life to you, I'm giving my life to you, I'm finding my place in your kingdom, a lot of us are kind of left with the, so now what? Now what happens? If I say I believe in Jesus, if I say that I'm going to start to follow him and obey him, well, what happens next? Do I go back to life as normal? Life as I've known it? And the answer to that is that God won't let you. If you're really a follower of Jesus, God will not let you go back to life as normal. And this is a part of that, right? Rob last week had mentioned how there is one fruit. There's not many fruits. There's one fruit of the Spirit. There's one work that the Spirit uh, works in us. And the way that it kind of comes out is through these nine ways. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So we're tackling each of these uh, week to week for the next number of weeks. Just so you know, if, it, if this is your first time kind of hanging out uh, since last week, this is where we're at. This is where we're going for the summer. And so Paul begins it with love. The fruit of the Spirit is these things. Number one, love. Why? I believe it's because Paul knew love was foundational to everything else. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we read that at the end, when it's all said and done, love is going to be the thing that remains. Love is going to be the greatest of all things. In 1 John, it talks about how God is love. God in His very nature is love. It's who God is. Which, by the way, the Bible is the only book in the world that mentions that. So when people say, like, oh, I believe that God is love, why do you believe that? I don't know. That's what I believe, but the only place in the world that that's actually stated is the Bible. So people say, I don't believe in the Bible, but then you don't believe God is love. Because that's the only place that that's going to stop. So love. Paul believed love was foundational to life. I mean, think about it. Someone who loses their job, it'll take time, but they'll figure it out, they'll be okay, right? Someone loses love, life is off kilter. Someone's looking for love, life is off kilter. Love is foundation. What Jesus did on the cross for us as people, that motivation of love, not just love, there's other things that went into that, but looking at that one aspect of love and that motivation, foundational to who we are as a church, where we are as a church, as a community. Love is foundational. 
what is it? Right? Some of you, funny enough, started quoting it. I think you looked at my sermon notes. Let's hop over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's on your walls, most of you probably. You have it in your kitchen area or something. We've seen this all over the place in frames and, and all sorts of things. So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's on page 691 in the Blue Bible. Starting in verse 1. It says this. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. I'll stop right there just for a second. Because there's four things in here that I think speak to us today. In that first verse, we see someone who can speak languages, right? In, in, in this book of Corinthians, we know that people are speaking in tongues and there's just a lot that's being written up there. But I look at these things in a very basic level. And we see someone who can speak languages. Someone that is insanely gifted. Specifically gifted by God. And it says, if I could do all these things, if I had all these skills and I could, and I could speak all these things, but I had no love, I would just be a noisy gong or a cleaning symbol. Maybe you guys know someone like that. Someone with all these giftings, all these attributes, rock star in so many different levels. But there's no love in that person. So it just sounds like noise. Another person, if I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all of God's secret plans and had all knowledge, right? A know-it-all. See, a know-it-all that has no love says I would be nothing. So is love being super gifted is love knowing everything. Third individual, I have faith. Well, love, it, love is faith, right? Part, part of love is faith. Super faithful person. They, they could move mountains, just like Jesus talked about. You can have all the faith. You can have a small amount of faith. You can move mountains. That's that. Jesus talked about that person. Certainly that person is special. Certainly that person is amazing. But if love didn't exist, I would be nothing. The fourth person. Obviously, the fourth person is the loving person, right? We talked about a sacrifice. This person has sacrificed so much they even sacrificed their own life. I could boast about it. People might call me a legend. My name might be on a plaque somewhere, an award that people give to others. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Interesting, right? Four different types of people. People that we emulate. Wow, they're super gifted. They're super talented. Wow, the, the super intelligent person. Wow, that, that person that has like real faith. 
When they pray, stuff happens. Wow, that, that, that servant, man. Look at that servant. But if love didn't exist, it would all be nothing. Are you getting the picture? Are you understanding how, how foundational this is? How important love is? Yes. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Good. Great. Love. Continue on. So what is love, right? Well, none of those things are love. Directly. What is love then? Oh my, tell us. Come on. Hurry up, bro. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Jump down to verse 13. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. I've looked at this passage before, and I've thought to myself, this is an internal thing. This is how I deal with this. It's my, my problem, my issue. When we look at this passage and, and people, you know, maybe you talk to someone before, like, hey, you know, I'm just really not being loved. Well, you gotta be more patient. I've learned to be patient, you know? You come to a very impatient situation, and it might look a little something like this. Hit something, turn to yourself. Please be patient. Hi. I want to rip my hair. Look it up. That's how we view it. Just this little sprinkling of patience, a little, a little dab of kindness, a little shot of not being rude, and you'll be okay. You'll figure it out. You won't, you won't do that bad in life. I'll, I'll be okay. That's not what this is. And it's kind of easy to gloss this over and say, okay, well, I just have to be more patient. I just have to do this. I just have to do that. Let's look at each of these individually. I have something on there. Right? Got we'll walk through these um, just to get a little bit more of a clearer picture. What is Paul talking about when he mentions these things? So the first thing is patience. Love is patient. Someone who is able to take vengeance on another person, but refrains to do so, and gives up the right to do so. That's important, giving up the right to do so. Because a lot of times, we are stuck in believing we're right, someone else is wrong, and I can't wait for the perfect opportunity to let that person know that I was right and they were wrong. They're wasting my time, I'm more important, blah, 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 blah. 
Love is patient. Someone who is able to take vengeance yet refrains from doing so and gives up the right to do so. Love is kind. We think, oh, it's okay. He's so kind. Nothing bothers him. He's so great. Love is kind. To show your use usefulness. Not usefulness, usefulness. When you see a need, you meet the need. When someone's in trouble, you help. Without even anybody having to ask, you help. Are we kind? Not just nice, hey, so nice. No. Are you allowing God to use you? Are you serving? Are you seeing a need and meeting a need? Love is not jealous. This talks about like a passionate envy. Who are you jealous about? Who are we jealous about? Who do we look at and say, man, if, if, if I could really get to where they are. Or you're envious. Not even wanting, but just like you see someone and, and they irk you because of how successful they are. And you're not. And we're not. Is there someone that we have passionate envy towards? Love is not jealous. Love is not proud. This specifically talks about a pride that leads to quarreling. Are we always fighting about something? Are we always looking to be in an argument? Looking to be right? Is it about things that are important? Or is it about things that really don't matter? But we have so much pride in us that every single little thing becomes a quarrel, a fight, an argument. Love is not rude. I can relate to this one. We like to write this thing off as like, I'm just from New Jersey. I'm just from New Jersey. I'm not rude. I'm just from New Jersey. And I'm from New Jersey, like not the south, but like in the north. So we're kind of close to Manhattan, so that just kind of... I'm just saying. Do we behave in ways that are indecent? This, is, this one was interesting because this talks about like a person who, when, when they're around, like they bring shame onto others because of their rudeness. And people experience that shame. Do we act like that? Do we make people feel, feel shame? Feel shameful? Love is not that. Love does not demand its own way. True love seeks the best for someone else, not for myself. It's for someone else. It's not for me, it's for someone else. Love is not irritable. Love is not easily angered. How short is your fuse? Love rejoices in the truth, it rejoices in justice. It's easy for us to ignore this one because we live in America where everything is like basically fine for the most part. How many of us, yeah, some people don't think so, but we can go to the store, we can buy what we need, water's right there. We're probably never gonna experience 
having to wonder whether this cup of water will make me sick enough that I have them in a take my life. We look at the rest of the world and we say, well, that's their problem. They're in crisis, they're war, that's their problem. At least it's not happening here. We don't ignore anybody. We seek justice for the sake of others, not just when it affects me. That's love. Love never gives up. We don't expose the faults in others. We don't expose the fault in others. It doesn't give up, it keeps going. We forgive, we move forward. We don't just move on, but we move forward hand in hand with people that we have to forgive. Never lose faith. Thank you. Never lose our faith in others. We expect the best for people and from people. Not just for myself, but for them. Love is always hopeful. Tied into the last one. Hope in another. We expect the best from them. And love perseveres. We persevere in relationship. We do not quit on people. And finally, love endures. Which basically means love will never come back to us in vain. Love will never fail. Love will never be something that's returned to us useless, for nothing, what a waste. It's never in vain. Here's what I believe this is speaking to us. If you've kind of gone down this list, like I want to do this list a couple times like internally, and I'm like, yeah, I, I know how I failed in this aspect of love and with who I failed in this aspect of love, right? Patience, I mean, kids are the easy target, right? We, we, we look at this, I don't want to call it, call it a list. It's not a list. You look at this progression. Love. And we think to ourselves, this is impossible. How would I possibly do this? I think that's the point. Love is foreign to us. Love is foreign to us. Specifically, God's love is foreign to us. I don't mean we don't get it up here. I don't mean we don't understand it up here. That's not what I mean by foreign to us. I mean that it doesn't come from us. It doesn't exist within us. This divine love only comes from God. It's only a work that God can do in us. We can't look at this 1 Corinthians 13. We can't look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and, and, and just think to ourselves, we're just going to tackle these. Okay, I'll work on love, I'll work on joy, I'll work on patience, I'll work on not being rude. I'll just, you know, hey, good job, Omar, today was good, you know. 
Five out of twelve ain't bad. Okay, two out of twelve today. That was looking a little weird. Nine out of twelve, not bad, man. You're getting there. You're getting there. If we if we view it this way, we'll we'll never get there because God's love is foreign to us. God has actually do work on us. The fruit of the Spirit. Right? The, the, the outpouring of the Spirit. The, the production of the Spirit. To have production means we actually have to have work done in us. And the only person that can do this is God. Hopefully, we're all kind of sitting in that moment and kind of saying, this is impossible. It's impossible to love this way. It is. It's impossible to love the unlovable. It is. It's impossible. I mean, shoot. It's impossible to love the people that live within our four walls of our home. Right? So, like, look at this list and be like, man, I really do all that great. I'm not doing that great at home. It's hard enough to do that. Never mind love someone that we hate. Someone that hates us. Someone that lives 5,000 miles away. We have no idea what their name is, who their parents are. There's no connection. How do we love someone like that? That lives that far away. Who cares? Really? It's, it's near impossible to love people that hurt us. People that have devastated us. People that, that we loved and that we really believe loved us. This is why this is so foundational. Because out of this love, everything else springs out. It's so foundational because at its most basic level, God is the one that has to do this in us and through us. So when we start to understand God's love, when we start to live in God's love, when we allow God to transform us to loving people, into a loving people, a loving community, into a loving individual, then we will start to understand what love really is all about. And it will no longer be foreign to us. Because God is transforming us from the outside in. You hear a lot about like wanting to be changed from the inside out. This is actually one of those moments where like it has to come from the outside in. Because we can't conjure this up ourselves. We can't. You can agree with that. You've tried and you can't. I've tried and I can't can only come from God. And so how does this work? God throws you into Kairos moments. Oh, we forgot about that word, didn't you? What is a Kairos moment? Kairos moment is when you're walking along your path, whatever path it is you have in life, and God throws a moment, God intervenes, God interjects, to change the course and direction of your life. To change you and me as a person. So 
to live a new life, to live a new direction. And so God places you in Kairos moments to learn to love. To learn to love. Because the only way that this comes is to being confronted by people that we can't love. And instead of saying, I don't care, instead of saying this is too hard, and pack it in, walk away, God says, lean into this. Lean into this moment. Allow this moment to change you because I will, I will place my love inside of you. For this so where do you struggle with love? Is it with your neighbor? Is it with the people in your own home? When we think about people beyond ourselves, beyond our family, when we care about our poor. Maybe it's something in your past that has been unresolved. Much like you guys heard from me a number of weeks ago. One final thing regarding love. Jesus states that to love someone that loves you, to love the easy, to love the familiar, there's no reward in that. What he says no reward in that. Does it mean that you shouldn't? Because there's no reward doesn't mean that you shouldn't. That's what we call it to do, right? That's easy. That's so familiar. People in our homes, our families, that's easy. We're called to love our enemies. We're called to pray for those who are out together. We're called to this. We're called to love in this way. Why? Because in it, God will change us. In it, God will change us. And we will really begin to experience the true, true love. Let's pray together.